It's, it's like making a great loaf of bread or planting a, a garden. You put some effort forth to make something. And, and the rewards are great because it's like I made an effort and, I, and something came out of it. Hello, and welcome to Creative at Home, Creative Conversations. I'm Lindy Franklin-Smith, one of the founders and the artistic director of the Lexington Theatre Company. In this new podcast, we'll be talking all about creativity, how to tap into it, how to practice it, and what exactly it means. We're going to be talking to creative artists from all around the country, and we're so excited for you to be a part of Creative Conversations. episode, we're chatting with Squigs. Justin Robertson is a Broadway illustrator and caricaturist, and his work has been seen on Broadway.com, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, LA Times, and Variety, to name a few. Today, Justin Squigs will talk about his creative process, the importance of practicing creativity, and enjoying what you've created, and the joy that it can bring to others and maybe even to yourself. Please welcome Squigs. Well, Squigs, welcome. We are so glad to have you with us on Creative Conversations here at the Lex. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, our audiences may remember you from our production of The Music Man, where you were a fabulous Marcellus Washburn, and probably have gotten to know you as well as an illustrator and a caricaturist. Your work has been featured everywhere, Broadway.com, The New York Times, The LA Times. Uh, It is amazing what you have done to sort of combine your love of theater and storytelling both on stage and on the canvas, as, as it were. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey from actor to illustrator and everything in between? Sure, sure. I mean, I, when I first started doing uh, musicals and plays outside of uh, school plays and that sort of a thing, actually, my, the first show that I did was between my junior and senior years in college. Closing night of that show, I thought, oh, I want to do something for this cast. I've had such a great time and this has been a wonderful experience. I, I had always always drawn, so I decided to see what I could do. And I, and I drew the cast and then copied the you know, the drawing on a office copy machine and gave it out on closing night. And that gave me a positive enough experience that made me, it made me want to do it for the next show and then the next show and the next show. So that's, it's been my tradition since 1993 to do a closing night gift for my fellow company. So that over the years just kind of snowballed into someone would ask me to do, draw their show and could commission a little drawing and, and that sort of a thing. And then that just kept going to where I'd get a little bit of uh, attention in New York for various shows people were doing. So I started pushing the artwork more, putting it out a bit more on social media as social media was becoming more of a thing. And eventually uh, started getting even more attention in New York and, and decided to make the move about 10 years ago out here to, uh, to see what I could do. I figured, you know, if you're going to draw theater, you might try New York City. So, so uh, there's a lot of it there. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of theater in New York City. 
So I moved here about 10 years ago, and I had been chatting with the folks at Broadway.com before that, met them through some friends uh, and the, uh, the Broadway Cares, Broadway Flea Market and Grand Auction. I was already participating in every year just on trips to New York. So signed a contract with them as far as, you know, being an independent contractor and drawing Broadway shows when they'd open, sometimes off-Broadway shows and various honors and that sort of a thing. But yeah, 10 years. Actually, uh, if Tony Knight were to happen this year, that would be the 10-year anniversary of my regular feature for Broadway.com. Just posted my 500th uh, illustration for, for Broadway.com, which is pretty trippy to, to think about. But That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild. Thank you. Thanks. Um, but along the way as well, I mean, with a, a business partner and myself created the Lights of Broadway show cards, which are like baseball cards for Broadway fans. And uh, we've come out with about 10 editions of that already. People seem to enjoy them. I've had some really great experiences working with uh, organizations like, like Broadway Cares on some of their posters with uh, Actors' Equity Association. I designed the cover of their centennial book. I've worked with the Theater World Awards, which is the oldest awards ceremony in the New York theater, celebrating distinct debuts in Broadway and off-Broadway. And I've done posters for them for eight, eight years now. It's been kind of an example of just like jumping in with both feet and seeing what happens and you know, people seem to react and, and wanted me to work with them. So that's, I'm, I'm very grateful. You know, I continue to try to work on my own projects and I've got a lot to do. Well, you know, a lot of folks out there have sort of heralded you as the next Al Hirschfeld, sort of following in the footsteps of uh, another great Broadway caricaturist. Were you influenced by his work? Were you inspired by him? Did you look up to him as a kid? How did you sort of think this is the area of art that makes me excited. Often when you're creating things, people say, write what you know, draw what you know, you know, that sort of thing. And I've, I've been passionate about theater for so long. And, you know, I love theater. I love theater people. I love storytelling. So I've always loved the place where illustration, where my visual art side coincides with the performing arts side. So actually when I was, when I was in college, I didn't know a lot about, you know, about Broadway musicals and plays. Growing up, I knew a little bit, but I was starting to fall in love, especially with like the work of Stephen Sondheim and, you know, and Jerry Herman and uh, starting to do shows on a larger scale than I had done at my, you know, smaller schools and that sort of thing over the years. And about the same time that I was falling in love with the art of theater, I also learned that there was this illustrator named Al Hirschfeld who had been drawing for decades and decades and decades, not just for the New York Times and the, for the theater scene, but also on the cover of TV Guide and in major publications. He was so prolific. And so definitely, he's very inspirational to me. About the time that I was doing my first shows, I also would buy books of his uh, collected works. In the theater where I would, did my first like three or four shows in La Mirada, California, there was a, a flat, a scene flat, that was hanging up in the fly loft. And it was from an event in the early 80s that took place at that theater where the cast members from Broadway shows would sing the songs that they originated on Broadway. Glynis Johns, and she sang Send in the Clowns, and uh, Ethel Merman was a part of that night, and she sang Everything's Coming Up Roses, and Mary Martin sang Do Re Mi, and uh, it was this really fantastic event, and I think you can find it on video somewhere. During the, the moment when Pam Myers, Susan Browning, and Donna McKechnie came out on stage to sing You Could Drive a Person Crazy from Company, they flew in this flat of Stephen Sondheim. 
and so that flat was the one that still hung in the uh, the fly loft at the the theater. So anytime I'd work there, I'd look up at that, and I'm like, cool, because it was kind of like just check in with 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 Steve and with Al, you know, before I do the show. And so, so yeah, that's um, the beginnings of what I, when I was starting to do what I was doing, I was definitely getting inspiration from what I had just started falling in love with, which uh, you know, American Broadway musicals and uh, Al Hirschfeld's work. Of course, other illustrators have influenced me over the years, but definitely, you know, Al Hirschfeld is is a legend in uh, in what he does. And, you know, it's funny, I, I like to say that I'm carrying on the traditions of Al Hirschfeld. I mean, there obviously will never be another, but I'm very, uh, very honored to be in a place where I'm, I'm able to help carry on those traditions that have, uh, you know, kind of followed the theater for years and years, you know, for centuries. Well, I think, I think that's such a beautiful point about carrying on the tradition because one of the things that is so magical about Broadway and live musical theater is that it's fleeting. You know, it's live and it's experienced together in one moment and then it's over when the show's over and that one moment is, is only capturable through, you know, photos and, and some small videos, but the beautiful illustrations are such a, a, a tradition and a way to look back and a way to remember. When you're capturing each show, because I know you, you commemorate the opening nights, what do you look for in order to make sure that the essence of the show and the essence of those actors are preserved? Um, well, there's a, there's a lot. I, I go into each show with my eyes and ears open. I, I would ideally want to reflect not only just what I see in front of me, the you know the the actors and that sort of thing, but I also want to reflect the storytelling. I want to reflect the design of the show. There's so many moving parts to the collaboration that is uh, theater. Behind the scenes, you know, it's like looking at an iceberg. You know, you see the people on stage above the water, and then you see all the you know everything that's going on underneath. So ideally, when I feel that I'm the most successful is when I have nods to the design. I have a nod to some amazing technical moment, you know, but definitely at the core, I try to capture the storytelling and what basically the entire team is is trying to convey. Sometimes it means that I, I find some specific gesture or a moment to try to you know use as a, as a symbol for the whole evening. Sometimes it's a series of moments, like a collage type thing. Honestly, also, just in logistics, I, I also try to include as many people as possible in the show. And kind of also with what I do with Broadway.com, it crosses paths with the commerce area of art, too. So the, the more people that are in the drawing, the more people will maybe share that on social media and get click-throughs. My, my traditional closing night sketches, I try to include every single person in the cast. That gets tricky when, you know, casts are, you know, 60 people. You know, I try to do the same thing on Broadway, but especially, you know, sometimes um, I'll I'll have quite a schedule. Like, usually my April is very, very packed with, uh, you know, I think this year I was supposed to be doing, I think, 12, drawing 12 Broadway shows during April, which, you know, none of those uh, open uh, this year. But in past years, I've had to draw as many as 14 shows that open to meet the Tony Award voting deadline towards the end of April. And so I just have to budget my time. It, it's it's funny because I do once sometimes I walk into a theater and I look at the cast list or I look ahead to a, ca a show and I'm like oh goodness it's like it's like a four person show okay okay I'm gonna have to draw four people you know but um or it's a solo show and then I feel guilty because I'm like I don't have to draw one person that's like you know 
so I'll often draw them like multiple times in the show, you know, so, you know, various moments. But yeah, I mean, basically what I'm looking for is to mirror as much of the collaboration that theater is as possible in my sketch. And, you know, I have a, a mentor who says that every drawing is like a one image movie. And so you try to tell a story. In my case, I'm trying to mirror the story that's being told uh, in one image. Even if it does, it's not successful at telling any, a story per se, it's at least successful at making you curious about the story. You know, so you look at that image and you go, oh, I wonder why that is that. I try not to give any, way, any secrets away. Typically a rule is to not draw anything that happens after the intermission. You know, I don't want to give away spoilers and that sort of thing. But I do try to hide things or put things in the sketch where if you're looking at it without having seen the show, you might look at it and go, I don't, what, what is that? And then you see the show and you're like, oh, you know, so it's fun, you know, like Easter eggs, that sort of a thing. But I love that. That is, <laughs> that is so neat. I'm going to have to go back through now and look, do a little <laughs> Easter egg hunt <laughs> yeah, on my yeah. own. That's yeah. great. And I, lo I love so much your commitment to celebrating the collaboration that is live theater. Because one of the things we talk about at the Lex a lot is that it, it feels like the most collaborative art form. There's so many departments that come together to make the magic happen. So thank you for celebrating that. Oh, you're, well, my pleasure. My gosh, you know, I've, one of my pleasures of, of doing theater at, at the Lex, at theaters across the country, is, is seeing seeing what goes into it and seeing the teamwork that it takes to put on uh, a show. One of the things too is that, you know, often I'll go into a, into a show and I'll have a few production stills, maybe some B-roll that I'll be able to look at for reference. But those are typically the ones that the production wants you to see that like shows uh, the cherry on the top moments kind of of the, of the show. But um, yeah, I always take a little notebook to the theater just because I, I'll take little detailed notes and, you know, it reminds me of uh, things like someone had a brooch on and it was on their left lapel. Wig, the wig shape was kind of like this, you know, and I'll put ideas of the layout that I want to do. And so I have a bunch of these little notebooks that now I can, you know, look back to. And each time I go to see a show, I write in the show, I write the theater, I write the date and the time that I see the show. So it's these fun little journals of really unintelligible scribbles which at the time mean a lot to me. And also just, I mean, the reason for doing them is to make sure the, the drawings detail work is, is as accurate as possible. And memory fails sometimes, but doing my best. The first time I uh, attended a show on press tickets, it was when uh, Bernadette Peters and Elaine Stritch went into the last revival of A Little Night Music. I was blown away because I was sitting like in the fourth row and just feeling like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? free tickets, you know, I mean, of course I have to work for them, but, but I'm sitting there and like around the time of uh, sending the clowns, I have my notebook and, you know, which typically, you know, it's kind of low like this, but it, I'm drawing and I'm, I have my pencil, I'm watching Bernadette sing and I'm noticing my pencil. I'm realizing that my pet <laughs> pad is right up here and I'm in the fourth row and there's Bernadette, like, you know, 10 feet away from me or whatever. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get called out for doing the world's slowest bootleg recording, you know? Um, <laughs> But um, so, yeah, so I keep it, you know, down in my lap. But um, but I think I, th I think they're also used to that because often the nights that I go to see shows are the same nights that, you know, that the critics are coming to see the shows, which is a, a few days before opening so they can get their reviews filed. Well, so now talk us through from the squiggles 
in your book uh-huh. to the finished product. So what happens once you get home, you decompress, and you start to transform that into the masterpiece? Sure. Um, yeah, well, I, I take the, the little scribbles from the notebook. Uh, I do these really super rough thumbnail sketches, which is basically like putting little circles where I want faces to go, where, you know, where I want this particular moment, like this, these two actors or whatever. I incorporate lines like where I want everything else to go and the flow of the piece. And just basically making it as sloppy as possible, but brainstorming, brainstorming, brainstorming uh, visual ideas. And then as I get closer to an idea that I really like, I'll, you know, do various versions of that. And then eventually I get, a you know, my full, full-size piece of paper and I start doing the pencil sketching. First a little bit rough, but then like, you know, honing in on the, the lines that, you know, making it all more economized. Yeah, then once I uh, have uh, more of a final pencil sketch, I'll put it on my light board, fresh piece of paper over that, and I do an ink sketch, an ink, the ink line work over on a clean piece of paper. And then I scan it into Photoshop and uh, do the assembly and coloring um, using templates of ink spatter that I've created over the years. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird combination of traditional pencil ink, ink spatter, and digital in Photoshop. So. so from start to finish, a, a show running time aside, uh, what, how long does it take you to complete one piece? Um, I say probably the quickest, if I have a, a small cast show, uh, and a relatively simple drawing, I, you know, I could I could probably get it done within like four or five hours. Wow, that's fast. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes it, it's necessary because um, depending on the when I'm able to get in to see the show and my deadline, it you know, sometimes I've had to see a show eight o'clock on a Thursday and then turn the the sketch in the next day by five o'clock, and that happens occasionally. Not too frequently, but usually uh, as I've worked more and more in, in the community, a lot of the press uh, reps know me a bit more, and so they're able to find ways to give me a little bit more leniency, to give me a couple more days than than the typical, you know, the press tickets are allowed. Because typically press tickets are kind of lead, the, the first round lead right up to opening nights, just the, for the few days before. If, if people know me and, the, and a production company is, is okay with me coming in a little early, I'm able to get a bigger jump. My favorite thing to do is to do my scribbles and set it aside for a little bit and then come back to do a little bit of pencil sketching and have it sit out on my desk for a while. And then I can look at it and go, oh, let me, let me adjust that and I'll, and I'll work on that. And so to, to have the luxury of time is, is, is great, you know, just because I can kind of fine tune it to what I want it to be. But uh, on the other side of that are the quick deadlines and I think those have helped me to become someone who can quickly visualize something and jump at it and, and, and like make it happen as quickly as possible. You know, I'm not someone who can work as quickly as like drawing directly digitally, you know, into a you know pad or, you know, whatever. But as far as doing, you know, what I do, I'm, I've been able to make up shortcuts and, and that sort of thing that I can, you know, take care of something pretty quickly. That's amazing. I, I just love hearing your creative process. And that <laughs> leads me to... Just talking about the idea of creativity. I mean, you're one of the most creative humans I know. Everything you do is drawing, drawing, <laughs> uh, but is uh, but is is drawing on this idea of connecting the dots and crossing different mediums. So when I say the word create or creative or creativity, what does that bring up for you? What do you think that means? Creativity. Wow. Um, 
part of it, I think, is is uh, filtering nature. You know, we have these, we see these, all these things, we hear these things. You know, touch, taste, smell. You know, all these our senses. And I think that creativity is taking those and putting through your own filter and, and just making something new. You know, and or sometimes it's just reflecting. You know, so maybe it's, it's filtering or reflecting. So basically, using your skills to take the things you see and hear and making something of your own. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful definition. And I feel like one of the things that we're interested in helping people unlock that might be listening to this podcast is finding the ability to do that in ourselves. Because sometimes not all of us, if we don't, uh, if we're not artists by trade, um, sometimes it can be hard to sort of feel like we can tap into that. So do you have any suggestions or ideas of how one might get started with that filtering, reflecting, and creating something new sort of process? Sure. With with skills as far as like what you would see, what I would do, what other visual artists or performers, a lot of it comes in practice, just doing it, doing it, doing it. But one thing I've found uh, lately, especially since, you know, we've been all spending a lot of time on our own here in quarantine, is having projects that that just... I wouldn't say they don't mean anything, but just something that's frivolous. Like, like for instance, when I first started making a, a, a good part of my income with my illustration, it became, partly it became a job, a job that I love, but it became something that had, you know, very much like I had to do it. And this is, and I had a schedule deadlines and that sort of a thing. So I picked up a, a hobby that I could really be awful at. And I, I bought a ukulele. So I have still have this ukulele and noodle on it every once in a while, and I'm really bad at it and and stuff. But it it makes me happy because it's something that's fun. I make some sounds that sound like something. We also uh, even now in quarantine, I'm I'll, I have this little project called Squibbles. It's Squig Scribbles, and these little videos on Instagram. Sometimes they are representing a specific show or a specific cause or something that's important in our world. But more often than not, they are really just scribbles. And I video them and make them, you know, put an intro and an outro. They're basically just like stream of consciousness. Just get a marker and make something. One of my favorite things to do is just to scribble on a page and then look at the scribble and like see if there's anything in there that, oh, like I can add an eye to this and it looks like a funny face or, you know, I can add feet to this. It looks like a fluffy chicken, you know, or something like that. It's also when I feel creatively stuck, I just have to tell myself, get some paper get a pen or a pencil and just just start scribbling if anyone were to do that you know it might not look like great to you or to anyone else but it, it's something it's it's like putting pencil to paper and you never know sometimes doing it over and over again you might come up with something that you, you like and basically just doing it you know if there's something you you think that's a it's a creative outlet that you like you want to aspire to then just do it do it more and more do do it something in that field every day and just have fun i mean that's that's part of creativity is the joy that you get from from making something it's it's like making a great loaf of bread or planting a, a garden you put some effort forth to make something and and the rewards are great because it's like i made an effort and i and something came out of it and sometimes you know that can benefit someone else. Your bread can nourish someone and, you know, make the house smell great. You know, your garden can make vegetables or flowers. What you do, if you write a song, 
you know, could lift someone's spirits. If you draw a picture, it could make someone happy, you know. There's so many ways to, to do that and, and to create. It's a very, very, very important thing, uh, especially right now. Uh, I think that couldn't be better said. You, <laughs> you, you hit on everything I wanted to ask in one, <laughs> one response. But I think, to me, the biggest takeaways, number one, try something even if it's something you've never tried before. Just get going. Make it a practice. Do it often. And then step back and reap the, the joy and the benefit of what you've made for someone else or even the joy that it brings to you personally. I think it is squigs so beautifully said. I love it. Love it. And I love your squibbles. I've been following them on Instagram. <laughs> Tell everyone listening where they can find your work. Oh, sure. My website is squigsonline.com. It's S-Q-U-I-G-S. I'm on Instagram at Squigs Robertson. Same on, on Twitter. But, you know, as far as the visuals go, primarily my website and Instagram. And then also uh, you can see my stuff on Broadway.com. They have most of it archived at uh, under the Broadway Inc. feature. Uh, so if you go to Broadway.com and look up Broadway Inc., you'll find me or Squigs. I'll, I'll pop up that way. And then the Lights of Broadway show cards, uh, the trading cards, are at uh, thelightsofbroadway.nyc. Thank you so much for all you do for the theatrical community. Thank you for all you do for the Broadway community. Thank you for all you've brought to our Central Kentucky audiences here at the Lex. And thank you for being with us on Creative Conversations. Thanks. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We'd like to thank our sponsors. The Bruce Lunsford Young Artist Program at the Lex. The Murray Foundation. CHI St. Joseph Health. Central Bank. And Kentucky Utilities and LG&E. I hope you enjoyed today's creative conversation. To find out more about our additional creative at home programming, please visit our website, lexingtontheatercompany.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to check out our online bilingual music education series, Adventures and Casa hosted by Lex Creative Media designer Joseph Wrightson in collaboration with another Lex alum, Nicolas Acosta. Adventures in Casa airs every Monday at 3 p.m. on our Facebook and YouTube channels and can be re-watched anytime on those same platforms. Thanks to our Lex team, especially our creative media designer Joseph Wrightson and our producing director, Jeremy Smith. We'll see you next time on Creative Conversations. Mm-hmm.